to roll forward and they're also doing some of the press conferences. And the thing I think before we go on about the game itself, the thing that kind of struck me, and I and I think there is something going on here. I know that the press conferences of this nature can be a little bit bland and a bit banal and it's a bit, you know, all rehearsed and going through the motions a little bit. But Ben Davis in particular as as as, as captain for the for the window did point out that, you know, actually some of the noises that that were coming from outside, most clearly and obviously from from Noel Mooney himself, you know, weren't very helpful. And it did seem to be an effort to really try to demonstrate that there's a good spirit, that they're still playing for Page. Um, and I was quite interested with quite how pointed I thought some of those references were from the likes of Ben Davis. Um, and I agree, they probably weren't particularly helpful. I mean, sorry for us to go on about Page as we did last time. And, and, and have done a couple of times and, 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 and coaches previously to that as well. But it's a different thing when the chief executive is coming out and talking about reviewing positions and things like that. We know that's probably going to be the case. Does it need necessarily to be said when you're in the middle of a window? Am I reading it differently to, to either of you? Um, yeah, no, I, I just agree. I don't have much more to add to it. It's not quotes I'd seen a huge amount said at the time. But I get the feeling that some of the senior players don't really mind about obsessing heads in that regard like I'm sure um, Bale had said things in press conferences in the past in which he kind of if not criticised the FAW he just kind of said like well not too fussed what they think or what they say and obviously you got Page saying well I didn't want this friendly against South Korea they seem to be I mean obviously they respect Noel Mooney I think they like Noel Mooney as well but they don't seem to want to just go along with whatever he says it's, as, you, as you say it's kind of quite a um, an independent mind there which is good that is good I think Mooney's behaviour has been a little bit odd since that we lost that double header, and um, he was he went very very quiet, which is not like him. When sort of fans were really calling for Page's head, and then sort of um, no Page sort of carries up. He didn't really say anything ahead of the Latvia game, and then Page sort of gets to gets you know the, get the the clean sheet against South Korea, sort of job done in terms of. Getting helping the players get back into form because he picked a surprisingly strong team for that one, for the for the big game in Latvia where we you know we we won the game fair you know not comfortably but you know we won two nil and it was like well okay that's you know on to the next one then because we we're we're still in it at least and then um, and then we you know this week you finally sort of decides to sort of come out and start talking and then there's all these stuff flying around I don't know the truth of you know the whole Roy Keane thing just all just seemed very bizarre but like you know if he was I don't see why there should be speculation around Paige's position at this particular point if there was going to be a change made it would have been in the summer when there was time before the, the sort of South Korea Latvia games to bring someone else in there were, you know, there was an obvious candidate, um, you know, we've talked about him before, who he could have brought in who's not in a job and, and wouldn't have, you know, cost compensation or anything like that. That was the time to do it if he was going to actually, you know, make a change. So why why is this sort of, you know, pages, the last double header, we get kept clean two, two clean sheets, got the three points that we needed. And so why is it all the speculation now? It, didn't, it just didn't sort of make any sense to me. And then the, the whole kind of 
thing with with Mooney sort of saying, "Oh, well, we're reviewed a position." Well, yeah, you know that's that's kind of obvious, but like him sort of saying it, kind of it, it's going to become a story, and it sort of didn't need to become a story. Yeah, and I suppose to, to make Noel's advocate, he kind of um, we've naturally focused on that bit. So, so he he also said like everything's always under review. We'll do a proper proper one later. We know what we have to do, and he's like. We're, he said, we're not one of these football clubs that just keep changing things all the time, knee-jerk stuff. That's not us. We're a very warm, welcoming organisation, but we have to keep moving forward, focusing on winning games. We can't go backwards and so on. I think, like, it, it probably didn't help that he said it. I don't know if he was doorstepped. I'm not sure where it was. I know it's the beep. But um, it, it didn't seem an excessive response in that he was saying, we'll review it. But he probably said a little bit more than he needed to in terms of, we, we can't go backwards. We've got to keep, we've got to win games. That probably made it sound more than it was but from what he says the Roy Keane stuff was complete fabrication in the sun and he had nothing to do with it at all and I mean my own assumption is that people have just said well they're both Irish therefore I mean obviously that would be an insane appointment but that could be absolutely nothing to do with him so he I agree with you that he said more than he needed to like he didn't really need to say well we've got to win games otherwise we have to look at it but maybe he just wanted to mind right are you saying, from as from your position as a media professional, that sometimes the um, English tabloids actually make some stuff up? Oh. It says something how about how fast the brain can work when you're paranoid. That when you said, "Are you saying that as a media?" I was like, "Is he going to say I'm a mediocre journalist?" <laughs> <laughs> <Is that laughs> media, media, like, media, bloody hell! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, he's found me out. <laughs> no, as a as a top professional football. Oh journalist. no, I wasn't asking for the compliment. Don't worry. But exactly, I think it was a it was a, it was a storm in a nutshell. But you could see after the game, and we're jumping forward a lot here with the interview uh, with uh, Shona David. I think not Shona David. That's my kid's head teacher. It's Shona somebody, isn't it? My mind's gone blank. I can see her face. Um, you know, quite how emotional he was. You know, he's feeling the pressure, Paige, and that doesn't necessarily. He's Shona Davis, by the way. Yes. Yeah, there's allowed to be more than one Shona Davis. Probably quite. No, a few. her name is Sue Ann. Sorry, got it wrong. Anyway, uh, I digress. the The interview with Shona Davis, you could tell he was quite emotional. Uh, you know, after that game, you know, it was a great result, and he deserves to, be, you know, very, very proud of it and the, and, and of of the effort put in. And like I said, it was a really, really great, you know, window at all levels. But you get a sense that there was a lot of relief as well and a lot of pressure a lot of steam being let off as well in terms of whew, yeah it did mean a lot and you know what it means a lot more because of some of the other things more than just three points more than just you know a bad window you know at the end of last season and so on it's, it's interesting what kind of noises there'll be or my, my gut feeling is a bit like after that Latvia game early on as you were saying probably not a huge amount coming out of him as well it's also pages biggest win in terms of the quality of the opposition, right? Would we say, I mean, I would say that Croatia, considering where they've been recently, what they've done recently, their ranking in the world or whatever, are stronger than um, Ukraine. And so I, I would have, and Austria, I think, so I, I would have said that's also just his biggest, achie- not his biggest achievement, because obviously qualified, but his biggest match result, if you like, his biggest win, essentially, was in that game. And a pretty deserved witness will probably come on. Well, we'll probably come on to now. Turkey in the Euros was a, a complete performance as well. We probably had to win that game, given that we'd only drawn against Switzerland and 
probably got away with it a little bit in that first game in the Euros. So it's a little bit of pressure there. Um, I don't think necessarily since Croatia game that that Turkey performance has been given maybe all the credit that it deserves. It's, it's a toss of a coin as to which one, you know, was in, in my opinion, is, is, is the better performance. They're both great performances in big games with a lot riding on them. So, you know, the margins are small and, you know, people will, will, will make their choice. But I thought that Turkey game was, was, was huge. And I suppose as well, to a certain extent, the Ukraine game was huge. And although we probably rode our luck, given everything else that was going on in the world, that fixture had a, a massive outriding. I mean, like, you know, the eyes of the world are on that one. You know, the performance didn't, you know, wasn't as, as, as good. But the result yeah, it's, was it's a big, It was a big win, I suppose, what I mean. Pressure on. Not a big performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a long old day on the Sunday. Uh, start 11 comes out... DJ, are we allowed to call him DJ, or is that just for in camp? DJ's been dropped, feels a bit harsh, but he's uh, he's not in the start eleven. Brooks comes in for his first start since his recovery from cancer, which I think is a, a nice, again, another little milestone in that in that rehabilitation, that recovery, which I think is is great. What did we think of of that? Because is that like because he's on this mat? He'd been on this massive run of 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 uh, competitive you know, conse- consecutive competitive starts than James oh well until the World Cup until no until, oh, until the World, World Cup, Cup yeah of course yeah which, sure yeah where when Paige panicked and basically kind of took him out of the team for the for the Iran game which didn't work but uh, you know I, I think um well Hugh called it because Brooks didn't play against uh, Gibraltar so it's just like oh, okay well that suggests something doesn't it and in, in that regard I I didn't really have a strong preference either way I, I thought I thought that DJ was perhaps slightly more likely to start because of that sort of relationship he has with Kiefer Moore, where you know half of Kiefer Moore's goals have come from Dan James' assists, and his pace kind of stretching Croatia, uh, who are not the quickest team, and they've got Vida in the back line who's thirty four, all that kind of stuff. But um, I could see the um, sense in keeping him behind as a substitute as well, and and playing David Brooks, who's perhaps more suited to, to that kind of box midfield, you know, the twin number 10s, as it were, with, with alongside Wilson. Perhaps, you know, um, James is more of a sort of out-and-out wide player rather than someone who sort of comes in inside and um, he's, you know, the quickest player we've got, but he's, he doesn't have the, Brooks's quick feet, you know. Brooks um, in that position is just, you know, so good. And... Um, as it the way it worked out with you know with Brooks having to leave the game early and James coming on was just it just suited us perfectly and you know uh, James came on and caused Croatia problems as well but I just thought David Brooks was absolutely magnificent he was wonderful he was um, Danny Gavadon compla- uh, comparing him to um, Ronaldinho in the first half some of his some of his footwork and stuff and I thought I uh, I don't know. Because Danny Gavadon went there, I'll, I'll say George Best, you know, just like, you know, that that balance, balance, speed of, of foot, um, just what a lovely, lovely footballer he is. And, and um, I don't think he's got enough for credit for the assist for, for, for Harry Wilson's first goal as well. It's just, you know, just to hit that hooked pass first time, exactly the right angle, exactly the right weight on it. Um, it, was, it was a magical performance from him. I thought absolutely brilliant. The number of balls that they tried, 
and some of them were cut off at source, but you could see him trying to get into the position to be able to play those sort of balls lofted over. It was something they had clearly worked on, and it was something they felt they could could really hurt Croatia with, which turned out to be the case. Um, I mean, the most the other notable one was the one when Wilson was pulled down for the yellow card that they got, and you know they'd clearly worked on on something, and you do get a sense that he's you know if if they wanted someone in that position, then he is the natural player to be in that position. It's not Dan James. You know, or uh, uh, who else would have been the other options? Would have been you know to to be able to to play those broadhead, I suppose. Yeah, broadhead. Yeah, you know, or and Wes Burns if he'd have been fit. You know, to play those sort of lofted balls and and to weight them perfectly because he has such a um, such a like a deafness of, of of touch. I thought there were a couple of passes. It was it was almost kind of like some of the simpler passes, just the easier passes that were you know easier to kind of pick and to play. We didn't quite get, and I still I still got a sense. Watching him live in the stadium, I didn't. I wasn't quite as as, as gushing. I I felt there's maybe still another. There's a little bit more. There's a little bit more rustiness still to to get out of his play. But it'll it'll come. It'll come. He's, he's he is a magnificent player. Um, so it was quite yeah, neat. Not quite quite neat that he and James did get the assist for Wilson's goals because it's those three attacking players behind Moore, isn't it? Like Moore so often been the player getting that. But not only has Wilson been the player to score both of them. And um, and two good goals as well, the header especially. But it's come from the assist from the guy that James was dropped for or, or benched for, if you like, and then James himself in two different ways. It's kind of perfect, really. I mean, James coming off the bench doing that is ideal for us. It was crazy that he started was it 40 consecutive games. Not, yeah, 40. Con- no, I think he appeared in 40 con- consecutive games, didn't he, or something? I don't know. Anyway, it was an insane statistic. But... Um, with our new system, which I just prefer so much to everything else we've tried, he would naturally be an impact sub rather than a starter, I think. And Keith Moore, I thought, had a terrific game. And he played the full 90, which is relatively rare, actually. I think Bradshaw's not... I think we've seen, not necessarily his limitations, but as you actually mentioned, talking about the game in Wrexham, um, how just sometimes the game we're playing isn't suiting what he does best. And he doesn't seem to... He, and as again, actually, <clears throat> as we saw in Latvia, he can't just come on and be a like-for-like replacement for Kiefer Moore, which is presumably why Kiefer stayed on. I'm guessing he was fit enough. I think he only played 45 minutes earlier. Well, as you were saying, last his 37th cap. It's only the 15th time he's played a full 90. He's subbed off 12 times and has been subbed on 10 times. So, yeah, it's relatively rare that he, he plays a full 90, but I thought he was magnificent. Um, and I think as well, to be fair... I, I don't think the referees had enough credit. I thought the referee was excellent, and he let he let there be a, a you know a physical um, you know comp, you know a battle out there, and for it to be a physical you know let some of the physical challenges go, which is not to say that there weren't players dropping to their you know dropping to their tummies and dropping to their their knees to, to you know to win free kicks. I mean there was you know still plenty of dark arts, but Moore was able to you know to give it, and then he took it back from the centre backs. I thought the ref refed it really, really well, and that allowed more, I think, to, to 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 play. All too often, we've seen him just get pinged the moment he makes any contact with a centre back, and it just 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 you know neutralises him. Whereas I thought he was able to you know play his game, and the more he played his game, you know the better he got, and you know the better he got, the more confident he got, and he put himself about. And I thought he was he, he was excellent. I thought possibly no, possibly his 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 best game for us. I don't know. Without, um, without you know, the irony being that he does, you know, he doesn't score. He gets two the other night, but he doesn't score in the in, in his in his best game. But hey, that's uh, that's a striker for you. 
Yeah, no, you might be right. I think, like, you know, you could argue, like, John Hartson's best game for us was the Italy game, the 2-1 win over Italy, and he didn't score that night. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah, you, you know, there's more to a, a striker's game than, uh, than just scoring goals. And, yeah, he, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Didn't get a yellow card, you know, credit to the ref, obviously, for that. But, you know, it was... Um, yeah, it was, it, we were, you know, aggressive all over the pitch, but it was this sort of controlled aggression which we needed to, to show, and um, and it was great. It was only one yellow card, which was, you know, Jordan James at the end, which was an absolutely sort of, I know I'm going to get a yellow card here, but it's worth it, yellow card, um, which is great. The discipline from us was absolutely brilliant. No notes, no arguments, just excellent, excellent performance. I mean, the system is just, it's the system we need. It makes us work. It's difficult to pick a team with, but unfortunately, as in to pack all the attacking players in, but unfortunately in football as opposed to FIFA and the rest of it, you really just need to actually do the system that works and work the players out rather than just do as we had been doing and play 4-1-5 and just let everyone mm. else just play where you feel. You know, it's, it's going to make for difficult decisions down the line, but it's, it's the necessary way. We just look so much more secure with it. Croatia scored from... Actually, yeah, Kiefer Moore did get an assist in that game. He did get an assist, yeah, yeah. Correct yeah. on ahead of for their goal. But um, <laughs> they didn't have... I mean, like, you know, we talked about the playoffs and how we were kind of clinging on against Ukraine and conceded a lot, quite a lot of chances against Austria as well. And um, loads of chances in the away game in Croatia. Evidently loads of chances at home to Armenia, even though they took them kind of really efficiently. We didn't... I felt at least concede that many chances here. They they scored from a set piece, which which in itself, to be fair, came from a chance that we allowed them. It's a good save by Ward. And then after that, I think they had a, they had a header, near post header, and that was kind of the only real big chance they had. I, I feel so. Yes, on another day, you know, we could have drawn that two two, but it wasn't like we were just hanging on for dear life as we so often have been recently and the whole shape just feels a lot more secure like that and it looks very defensive from the outside you know three centre-backs two defensive midfielders and wing-backs and midfielders but it just makes you could sense call, yeah oh it's i mean you could call it five two two one can you that you, yeah you, i mean it depends but but i mean we created we were the ones who created the, the, the chances um and we you know we played roughly that kind of system when we Beat Belgium three one at the Euros. Beat Russia three nil at the the Euros. Uh, beat Israel three nil in qualifying. So it doesn't, you know, just this is a nonsense. This idea that if you, you play five at the back, it's defensive. It's it's mm. bollocks. Absolute bollocks. We were we were compact. That was the thing. And um, it's something <laughs> I've been banging on about a lot. And I was really pleased that David Brooks used this word afterwards. He just said, you know, it's important that we're compact. And it's absolutely important that we're compact. And, I, you know, I think I was banging on about after the World Cup, and we just haven't seen from us for a long time, is that we played compactly as a team with controlled aggression, which is exactly what we need to do, because we're frankly not good enough to play an expansive game. And sort of, I, I said to you guys a little while back, I had a look at the the starting lineup for the Armenia game at home because I'd forgotten what it was. And I on, honestly, I literally laughed <laughs> and, at the starting line because it, I was like, how did an actual international manager pick this team? It's like a team that a nine-year-old would pick. It's, it's just like, oh, this guy's good. Uh, he scores goals. He plays in the Premier League. 
I'll put him in. This guy's good. He scores goals. He plays in the Premier League. I'll put him in. And and you kind of left with like one player basically playing in midfield. Everyone else got you know doing what 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 the hell they want. And it, you know it just does not work. And we were like, like that for um, the World Cup as well. And that's what was yeah, so uh, insane about it. We kind of started it in the playoffs, and then it worked in the playoffs. And he decided just to go with it. But just for reminders for anyone who might have kind of blocked Army around from their memory, you've got back four of Roberts, Mep and Roden Davis, and then Ampadu holding. And then because Ramsey's theoretically the other midfielder, but not really, you've effectively got Ramsey, Wilson, Brennan Johnson, and Dan James, and Kiefer Moore as a kind of front five. <laughs> the idea See, is... I'm, that, I'm laughing again. The idea is that it's Ramsey and Wilson as dual eights, but we've just seen last week, in fact, that if you play either of them behind the striker as opposed to this line-breaking number eight or whatever, you get so much more out of them. Harry Wilson is not a player to play in central midfield and get and you know push forward from there. He's a player to get start in an attacking role. And as we saw, again, actually against Croatia, to even get behind the defence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that's his, his, you know, that's his best game for sure. You know, he has that tendency, and I've been more critical than most of, of Wilson that, that sense that he, you know he will disappear for maybe 10, 15 minutes at a time, or you know he can start bright, brightly and then and just kind of fail all to get, fade all together and, and then get hooked off on you know sixty five minutes or something. But that was a, a proper you know complete performance, and in the absence of, of of Ramsey, and I guess to a certain extent not quite the same players, but you know he's probably been you know one of the more obvious heir apparents to Ramsey for a while, and that was a certain that was the first performance I've seen from him. On his fiftieth cap, and a year was it? Was it ten years to the day of his debut as well? That was a that was a weird sort yeah. of uh, synchronicity, where I actually thought, yeah, maybe maybe he could be actually, maybe he could be, and I thought that was I thought he was terrific, but also as well, just just very briefly, um, we saw the old Nico Williams and we saw the old Joe Rodens back as well, and I thought that was as important as some of the more headline performances. Um, because they've both been a little bit off the mark for, for far too long, to be honest. And we, we saw a bit more of them, the old players that we're familiar with in, in, in both of those. But yeah, no, Wilson was, was absolutely terrific. And, um, you know, had he, had he got the free kick, he'd have, he'd have had a hat-trick. Um, it was a good save by the keeper, to be fair. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely brilliant from Harry Wilson. I'm, I'm a bit, not quite as harsh on him uh, as you maybe, but I did, I've always felt there was sort of, we needed maybe a little bit more from him. Um, and especially now in the absence of Bale um, and Ramsey not being there for this one, in terms of the hard stats, really, scoring goals, and you can't argue with those two goals, two fantastic finishes. Um, it's all around game, the free kick, the the back heel for Nico Williams, which um, was uh, led to the shot, which the keeper did well to save as well. Absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, it's really stepping up now, um, it seems. Um, hopefully we're going to see those kind of levels from him into the future because he's you know he's 26 he's kind of youthful it's it just feels like he's kind of arrived perhaps at club le- club level in terms of Fulham being in the Premier League now and um, him being there permanently you know he seemed to be at Liverpool for a ridiculously long amount of time considering um, Klopp didn't ever pick him <laughs> um, you know these loan spells of course but um, you know yeah you're saying like you know He's sort of heir apparent to, to Ramsey or one of perhaps. Also, in in a, in one sense, he's kind of um, an heir apparent to Chris Gunter because he's kind of like the fan on the pitch. 
sort of thing, which, um, you know, like he went to Europe 2016 as a fan, um, you know, like all his family uh, go to Wales games, go go Wales away. Like I think half of Coring comes down to Cardiff for the, for the games. And, and um, yeah, no, he's just got that kind of rapport with the fans that sort of Chris Gunter had. And, and um, that's just, you know, it's just brilliant to see. And, you know, uh, that was, I, I enjoyed his performance so much. Um, you know, the, 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 the first goal, great run. And, you know, getting him sort of basically one-on-one with Vida, it was, uh, there was only going to be one winner there. Uh, very cool finish. And then, but the second one, you know, it's not just the header, which is fantastic, just the right contact. It's the way he sort of ghosts into the space. And mm. Croatia had, I think, five players in the penalty box, but he, he found all his space. He just sort of, yeah. And we took a while to actually get the ball into the box as well. So it's not as if it was this kind of like late run. He just kind of found that space. And from where I was watching the game, it looked like it was a kind of like a glancing header, like that kind of like flick. Yeah. It was only when I watched it back that he's, it's actually, it is a glancing header, but not with the right side of his head. It's more kind of like over. On his crown. On his crown. Yes. His- yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> An even better header than I, than, I, than I gave it credit for, to be fair. See, he ran off slapping his forehead as a kind of look at me I scored a header and I was like oh slap the back of it mate it was even better header than that he didn't even go yeah, yeah 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 really yeah, yeah. here's one for you so that was his 50th cap I, 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 gave, I told you how many times Keith Moore's finished uh, completed a 90 because obviously Wilson went off on about what 80, 81, 82 minutes something like that for Broadhead uh, 50 caps how many times do you think he's completed a 90? 17 <laughs> 17 okay any, uh, any uh, higher or lower? higher than a king you say? I'm going to go Lower, I'm going to say about 15, 14 or 15. 10. 10, that's it. 10. Yeah. Yeah. Only 10 times has he completed 19. Does he? There's Leon so. with the speedboat. <laughs> is that what it is? That was bullseye. It wasn't uh, player cards, right? He wins Harry Wilson. He wins Harry Wilson. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and to be fair, you know, you know, he's a young player. A lot of those are, you know, he's, he's, he's earning his, his, his spurs and so on. But um, I want to see more of those. You know, okay, eighty-minute performances then from him. I want to see more of those ninety-minute performances because I think you know they are in him. They are in him. Um, so sh- should we turn this into the the the, the JJ fan club then? Mm-hmm. How good was Jordan James? Should I go first? Hugh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought it was. Right. <laughs> no, no, seriously. You go, you go. <laughs> I can't remember when it was. It was a while back. Anyway, I I said it might have been the podcast we. Abandoned due to technical issues, so maybe it got lost, and I, you'll just have to take my word for it. But um, I said something about, well, you know, this is this is having such an open midfield, and you know, playing Ramsey as the second kind of midfielder just clearly isn't working. It's it's unfair on Ethan Ampadu to do to expect him to do this much work, and I don't know why. What what has Page got against Joe Morrell? Because Joe Morrell has been really good in ninety percent plus of his Wales performances. But for some reason, Rob Page, I don't know what it is. Maybe he thinks John Realm can't be any good because he plays in League One, despite the fact that he's been consistently good for for Wales. Um, he wanted to go away from from picking him and um, get more of our kind of star name attacking players in, which led to this horrible imbalance in the team, and it wasn't working at all. And I said. Look, you know, Page cannot keep doing this. He's if he doesn't like John Morrell, it's time for him to make a judgment on somebody else. And I don't care if Jordan James is not 
playing in the starting lineup for Birmingham City or not. If Page thinks he's good enough, play him. Play him for Wales. You know, make a judgment. It's what Toshat did with people like Chris Gunter. You know, he wasn't in the Cardiff team. Plucked him and said, "Look, you know, based on what Brian Flynn's telling me, you're you're good enough. I'm gonna play you. I'm playing your fullback at international level. I don't care what's happening at club level." And it's maybe come a bit late. Haven't <laughs> said that. You know, Jordan James is still very young, but finally Page has made a judgment on. I think Jordan James is good enough, and. Clearly, he is. Yeah, he was excellent. He's just what we need. We've, I don't want to say we've got lucky because we, we haven't got lucky. We've, we've taken a player who would theoretically not be ready yet, someone who's not starting at championship level, who was 18 when we started giving him these important matches. We've not lucked out. We've taken that chance. And he has proved himself to be good enough, despite it almost fits the team so well. And the fact that it doesn't matter if he doesn't play at club level, he'll turn up um, international level, which almost defines us, to be honest with you. He um, there's there's been a couple of suggestions he might get a bit more game time under Rooney now that um, Wayne Rooney's replaced John Eustace um, at Birmingham for I mean Twitter likes essentially, but um, <laughs> he's quite apparently quite keen on, he's apparently quite keen on um, James. I've, I've just heard a few rumours that he's, he kind of likes the more youthful combative style than some of the players they've got. James actually under Eustace been playing a bit like attacking midfield, even on the wing a bit. So the idea that he might get more action in midfield is great for us because not only has he turned up for us in the games we needed him to against a famously good midfield and a player so experienced that what was the what was the fact Modric made his Croatia debut and Jordan James was eighteen months old, which is just mad. But not only has he put in that performance, he's done it without much experience in that position, kind of at all, really. You know, he's in his career he would have played a couple of dozen games in central midfield at most so it was a really composed performance I was really, I was just checking something trying to see like if he won if he made the most tackles in the game he did but like you know two joint with lots of people so not gonna hold that up as an as an incredible statistic in itself he actually um dribbled past more players than anyone in the game which astounds me like three take-ons three dribbles like I don't remember any of them but it means that the fact that I don't remember them is almost more impressive because he's not you know, run at people and whipped a ball and that's not what he's there to do. What he has done is he's got the ball under his feet and then just nipped it round someone to find space to then find a pass. He's been closed down. He's just knocked it past them. He's just got it past them and found the pass. And he's looked forward. Like, that's so impressive in itself. I, I, I didn't really anticipate that. And that's really useful if he wants to kind of cement that position as well the fact that he's confident enough on the ball to kind of go yeah I, I can take the ball around you if you, if you try don't want him to be trying it all the time I remember a game against Latvia it did backfire at one point but it's great that he's got that composure at such a young age and Paige singled it out in his interview sort of saying you know he's playing like he's you know 30 year old who's got you know you know tons and tons of caps under his belt I think those three passes those uh, sorry those three kind of um What's, how does the stat define them off dribbles? But uh, dribbles or take-ons. Yeah, dribble take-ons, take-ons. I think they're all in about the same sort of five-minute, five-second period where he kind of does that thing on the the right, towards the right-hand side of the pitch, where he sort of picks the ball up, wins it, picks it up, and then pushes the ball one side of the player, runs around the other, and eventually ends up getting to put in a cross. It was just like, oh, okay, maybe this kid can play as well. You know, he doesn't look daunted by it. He just seems to have taken to, just taken to it really really effortlessly um 
and I, you know, it kind of pains me to say it because we've been big, and I in particular have been a big, you know, big fan of this in terms of what they've off, offered the team. But you know, I look at I look at that now, and I think oh, John Morrell's not going to win too many more caps. Um, you know, he's going to have to wait for for injuries on on the part of of, of Ampadu and and James to get back into that team. I think. And and you know the odd kind of Gibraltar friendly type. Yeah, type well, game, I, would, I, think. I mean, which is harsh, but that's the kind of competition we want and we need, surely. I think he's got like mid thirties in the caps. I think he'll still make fifty caps, and I think he's at, to give him credit. He's probably having his best ever season in Portsmouth, at, like top of League One, aren't they? And he's playing every week, so you know, wouldn't like write him off. Obviously, we need you know more than two players who are able to play in that position as well. But um, yeah, I think that. Going forward, considering John James is 19, Ethan Ampadu's 23, that could be our defensive midfield partnership for a decade and and more, potentially. Um, be looked that good. And it just very... There's something about... Um, I think he was interviewed after the Latvia game. There's just something about it. Like, he's got the, got the eye of a tiger. He's sort of, like, focused. There's a sort of, like... I don't know, just this... It, it, Sometimes when you sort of see young players interviewed after a game and, um, I don't know, just a bit of a rabbit in the headlights vibe going on. And I didn't, I just, with John James, it's like, I got this feeling like, yeah, I, I belong here. Not in an arrogant way, but just like, it just looks like he belongs at international level. He's got a hell of a future ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. He's just a man. And his will to survive. <laughs> it's a boy. It's a boy. Right? A boy with his will to survive. <laughs> Rising up to the challenge of his rival. Hugh is far too young for this reference, Russ. Uh, I think we're... It's, we're I know, absolutely. I know. <laughs> <It's like laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just yeah. me, but there's something about his focus. I mean, maybe having a dad who is a professional footballer for a long time helps as well. It's sort of like you know, he knows what it's all about. Yeah, yeah mentality-wise, he seems to have it, which we clearly know even Ampadu does as well. So, um, and up, I mean, that midfield three that Croatia have got. Okay, you can say Modric is maybe a bit past it at 38. But you know, it's a player he'd have been watching all it, grown up watching all his life. You know, it's bit like just yeah, it's been bizarre to be playing against uh, you know a five-time Champions League winning balloon Balloon Door winner and you know, no, but Balloon Door, <laughs> so yeah, Balloon Door, Balloon Door winner and um, <laughs> the Balloon Door. Sorry, yeah, I mean, Kovacic. Uh, Brozovic, that's a hell of a midfield, and just to to go up there with no seemingly with no nerves or hesitant hesitancy in his game was so impressive. So to put out a kind of hypothetical, we were so low in June, um, you know, justifiably so. And the mood has shifted so much, like what one, two podcasts later, justifiably, you know, they've put in performances to to justify why we've done this. In terms of next month, if we don't win two games, how are we going to feel about that? Because two games gets us automatic qualification. If we win those, we're going to be over the moon. We're going to be as positive as we are now. If we play well but don't, are we going to be still positive about the future, looking forward to playoffs, or are we going to be worried again? Are there, are there things that we've got a little bit concerned about coming up, or do we think that we're now in a really good place going into the next next two games um, 
away at Armenia and at home to Turkey. I think there's there's a difference between saying it was a really, really bad window, the Armenia-Turkey window, and, 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 and conversely, it was a really, really good window last week, and then saying because it was a bad window, we are a bad team, and because it was a great window, we are a great team. We're not that great. We're not that bad. I think as ever, we you know we, we do tend, and I, I, I don't know whether this is a Welsh trait, a sporting trait. You know, the highs are very high, the lows are very low. It's rare, I think, that they deserve to be as high or as as, as low as they tend to feel. And there's no question, it was a bad window, but we weren't, you know, it didn't mean that we were a bad team. And everybody wanting kind of, you know, Paige to be, you know, publicly flogged um, were, were, were being a little bit reactionary. We should say actually that Rich Rich wanted to comment in this, didn't he? Because um, Rich he did. You have it on, hand. He'd be on the last podcast saying Paige needs to go, and he he'd just say he wanted it uh, said on the podcast that he, I need to find the exact statement because it was almost like a kind of communicado oficial. <laughs> but um, that he wanted to say that he had been impressed by Paige in this window. To be fair to him. Yeah, I, I think I think I think I think I think you can you can rate the window and whatever rating that particular window has I don't think it necessarily is the rating of the team per se where they are you know it is only a sort of like a snapshot if you like so I think in terms of like what you were saying about it you know is it is it his you know is it Paige's best win yeah you know arguably yes it's in the top sort of you know top two top three yeah for sure but actually if, if in 12, 12 months time Croatia have also lost a few other games against teams of our sort of level. I mean, when was the last time they lost two quali- consecutive qualifiers? It, it can't have happened that often. I've not done. I've not looked at. It. I had a little look. They lost two. I think they lost a qualifier in a Nations League game. So technically, two quali- two competitive games, but two successive in the same campaign. Two two qualification games lost with no goals scored. That can't happen often. So I think there's a, there's there's possibly a you know a certain caveat to this that says that yeah they are a team on the wane. And there were missing players. That takes nothing away from our performance and, and Paige in terms of you know what we did, what we achieved. But I don't think it sort of suddenly means that, oh, you know, we're contenders or that we're going to qualify. I think there's still a poor window in us next time out because there was, you know, three windows ago. So I just think the positivity and I think that kind of, that dog, you know, you talk about a dog in the player. It, it feels like there's a little bit of, that, bit of that in the squad as well. And again, it comes out in the press conferences. It comes out in the interviews. Um, it was there in the last window as well. You know, getting stuck in, playing with that controlled aggression. There seems to be a little bit more of a, a bit more sort of fire in the belly in, in the squad collectively. And I think that bodes well. That's a good point. The, the last time Croatia lost qualifiers back-to-back was 2013. What I quite like is that the last time they lost competitive games back-to-back was, as you say, a Nations League game. They lost 6-0 to Spain. After the World Cup final, <laughs> kind of forgive them, yeah. really, can't you? <laughs> well, the, you? Well, you've, you've lost a World Cup final and then lost your first qualifier afterwards to Spain. That's the first time since then. But I agree with you, Russ. I think, I think you're right about the, the execution. That time 10 years ago was the only other time they've lost two qualifiers in a row as well. That's the only other time. So it's, it, Ever. That was, yeah, since Croatia's been a nation an independent nation, that was only the second time that they've lost two qualifiers in a row, yeah. Really? Well, yeah. we did that. Yeah. But you're right, Russ, we've got that determination and that back, really. Because I do, I do think we've had that in the past, but yeah, it, it certainly seemed like we we felt a little bit 
revitalized in that regard in this window yeah i i, I mean i think uh, so so much of it comes down to shape again i mean i just think it's worth emphasizing this again it's like shape tactics um i mean page made the point he came out and said in his interview seven out of the 11 in the starting lineup aren't starting for their clubs and then they come and put in that performance which i mean it says to me i mean because you get pundits who just say oh you know problem is our players aren't playing for their clubs and i'm, I'm just like well you know maybe the bigger problem is that they're not set up properly tactically we're all over the place and and it, this sort of stuff has been getting a bit too much of a free pass for me like you know if you set up the team properly play to your strengths you know identify the opposition's weaknesses and try and exploit them then um you can sort of you know you don't need everyone playing week in week out for birmingham city or or whatever um if the you know players are kind of confident and sort of know what their job is on the when they go out on the pitch and i think you know like we've hit upon something now where i feel very confident we're not going to go to armenia and concede four goals now <laughs> I, I just think, you know, if the performances are there, but we just fall a bit short, well, okay, so be it. But we go into the playoffs with some confidence and sort of with a, you know, a manager who the squad are clearly behind and um, players feeling pretty good about playing for Wales again still. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You, you go back to that Armenia-Turkey window at the end of last season. And after that, it was all, you know, Albert Steibenberg this, Albert Steibenberg that. I've not heard anybody talk about Albert Steibenberg in this week. Now, if he was the solution four months ago, well, then he must still be the solution now. And I think that's kind of me for is, is like a, a, it's a metric. It's that kind of, oh, well, this player, oh, this coach, sorry, that we had as an assistant part-time coach was around when we were doing well and he's not around now, therefore that's the problem. No one's praising Alan Nil for what, you know, his input was to this week, for example. So... I think there's always this knee-jerk reaction with us one way and it can also go the other way as well. And I think maybe there's a caveat and it's not taken away. Jordan, uh, Jordan James was, a, was, was great. We saw the old Nico Williams. We saw a bit of the old Joe Roden back and so on. Best performances almost probably, you know, possibly ever in a Wales shirt from Kiefer Moore, from uh, Harry Wilson as well. Danny Ward looked a little bit more on his, on his, on his game as well. All of which is great, but is it is it a Croatia team that's on the wane? If it is, that's not our problem, that's their problem. The positivity that you get from that, I think, bodes really, really well for the next window. But I've no doubt the page will ground them, because he's, you know, he is a very grounded individual. You saw that emotion come through in that interview with Shana David. You don't necessarily see a huge amount of that the rest of the time. So for me, that's that's the, the key element. And I think um, all we could have asked for is it for it to still be in our, our hands. Um, with that fallback of a, of a playoff, and it is in our hands, and that's that's all you can ask, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also, I think, I mean, after um, Turkey beat Croatia, it was a lot of doom and gloom about, oh no, you know, no chance now, and we were all, you know, a lot of people talking about the playoffs and stuff. But the way it's kind of worked out with us having beaten Croatia now, it, and Turkey having already qualified, could actually work out possibly better for us I'm looking ahead <laughs> but in that Turkey have already qualified and they don't need to come to Cardiff and get a result or anything whereas in we, our sort of contingency in in the past was well it's going to be winner takes all against Turkey and Croatia will run away with the group whereas now it's like ah if we beat Armenia we've got 
a game at home against a team who've already qualified, that makes it a little bit easier on us. So it's kind of, you know, it's interesting how that Turkey win might, if we, uh, if we beat Armenia and, uh, and us sort of on our game at home, work out for the best for us. That is true. However, and I know there's other things to bear in mind, but um, so they've got a one game window. They they only have a friendly beforehand, yeah. and if they win, they're probably or at least possibly going to be top seeds at the Euros, which is huge. I mean, the fact that you wouldn't have to play against a Portugal or France, you know, better than England or whatever. So they're going to be seriously motivated to win that because um, the way that the seeding works now, UEFA actually, to be fair to them, making a good call in this regard it's not down to coefficients and rankings and historical performances it really is how well you qualify and so if for example they were to beat us they would have one of the best qualifying records having you know barely dropped any points so it will be big for that i know what you mean like it, it certainly it seems it seems great and it would certainly matter less than them needing to win to qualify but i think they'll be seriously motivated or, but you know we, we've shown that we are capable yeah yeah or, or draw to qualify you know what? I, I'm the boring coefficient playoffs bloke I mean yeah. I'm not required now but I can talk about <laughs> yeah but it's not it's not the same as sort of it's not, not still not the same as uh, going to Cardiff needing a point yes. to qualify yeah, I agree. That would have yeah, been horrible for us, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But, it, it's, but not, it's not like not a, that. a nothing game for them. It could be huge for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you'd hope yeah. they'd be in a sort of party mood, but yeah, there's still stuff. There's, you know, there's still you know something riding on it for them. So yeah. Anything else to say? Do you want to talk playoff stuff, or we're we just going to leave it? We could. We could do another episode on playoff stuff if it happens. Yeah. Essentially, because it's been a while since we. Since we had an episode. Essentially, Forza Italia. I don't know if we're going to do a preview, <laughs> one, but we really need Italy to get their shit together. Um, because, just as a quick summary, like um, Italy have North Macedonia at home and then they're away to Ukraine. The Ukraine don't have a game before, so they'll be nice and rested. Italy need to beat Macedonia and draw with Ukraine or beat Ukraine and draw in Northern. Basically, they need four points from that. If Ukraine beat Italy in Ukraine, then Italy are into the playoffs. And while that isn't just a kind of, oh no, Italy are a good team, because obviously Ukraine are a good team as well, it would also mean that we get pushed down, which would mean that our semi-final would be away from home instead of at home. It basically gets harder. So just to anyone who can't be asked to look into it all, we want Italy to do very well in the next one. It's all you need to know, really. Okay. I just I want to say a few more things about the game, actually. I've got, I've got a load of notes. No, no, that's, no, that's interesting stuff about Italy <laughs> and the, the players. But, but um, Ian Mitchell being back, I thought it was great news. Um, and uh, another thing Paige mentioned was this montage that was put together before the Croatia game of, like, two minutes of the players in training you know, hitting shots and playing brilliant football uh, with music and stuff like that and just how pumped up that got them and hairs on the back of their neck stuff, all that kind of thing. And that that's sort of thing which sort of seems to have Ian Mitchell's f- fingerprints all over it to me and that's um, 
you know those those kind of like tiny percentages those things that you know make would make a player go out onto the field feeling much more confident much better about themselves it's a big thing i think um it's great that he came back it's a shame he's going to be leaving for newcastle but at least he's staying for the rest of this campaign so those uh, having having a guy like that in the in camp for the for the next two games could uh make a really positive difference. I think he, he deserves a shout out. Um, we obviously can't compete with the kind of money that Newcastle are going to be offering. It's a shame. Well, no, but I mean, he's, 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 no, he's left before and returned as well, of course, because um, you were with England for a while. So, yeah, yeah, maybe we haven't seen the, the, the end of him, as it were. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess to a certain extent, it offers an opportunity for someone else to come in and it might be new methods and, and things like that. I mean, I think you know, it's rare that people are in post- in these sorts of setups for you know years and years and years it's you know it's, it's three four five six years at a time or it's kind of in and out or it's a combination of part-time full-time so I guess that's just how it goes but yeah no wish him all the best he's I think it's is it Jamie oh I can see his face on Twitter Jamie oh, he's one of the, the plethora of books that came out about 2016 and he has a really good chapter on um, on, on Mitchell and, and how Mitchell approached things like press conferences and public statements and they would have like certain kind of core messages in, in internal camp of, and, and psychologically it was important that everything that happened and was expressed in press conferences and in, in, in sort of team meetings was a reinforcement of these key messages and then the, you know the next key message or the key message in the next camp built on the the previous one really really fascinating stuff so uh, yeah, Newcastle have got a they 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 got a they got a good in there. So um, it, it, you know, if nothing else, it goes to show that we obviously have someone who knows knows their onions because you know Newcastle aren't just going to hire anybody at the moment, given that they, they could basically you know, hire anybody in the world. Uh, I can imagine. So um, yeah, that that reflects well on us, I guess. So yeah, it is Jamie Thomas. Thomas, that was it. I was going to say Lewis. Thomas. Davis, yeah. Or... yeah. I mean, you could have just had a stab at a Welsh name. And... It's, it's a good book, and that chapter in particular is excellent. So, yeah, um, any more of your notes, uh, Leon? Uh, I thought Ben Davis was fantastic when we mentioned him, and what a great captain he is. And um, I, we, I think we all thought he should have yeah. got it instead of Ramsey. I mean, but uh, I just wanted to mention uh, his leadership, and he just looks like a natural captain, doesn't he? And just sort of so unfussily went about that game. Um, that was brilliant and because he hasn't been playing much for Spurs he's been coming he's been coming on for like eight eight or nine minutes here and there um he's not completely out of the picture but um still like you know to 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 play a full 90 against a team of gracious quality um I didn't quite know how it was gonna go but you know with Ben Davis you needn't you needn't worry he's so reliable um and he put he put the hard yards in as well. I mean, there was a couple of occasions where he was almost like the most forward player because he was, you know, he was getting forward, he was playing a ball, and then he was chasing chasing down the defender as well. He, he put in a big, a big shift as well. So, which you know, possibly kind of, you know, bears out Page's decision to play him against against Gibraltar, of course. But um, a couple of times he was like chasing down like their fullback, um, you know, quite. You know, assertively. Um, but he's Mister. He's Mister. Eight out of ten, isn't he? He's he's never a six. He's he's never a nine or a ten. He's just Mister. Eight out of ten. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Put that on your LinkedIn, Ben. <laughs> Mister. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Go on, sorry. You you were you were saying. Uh, what else? I wanted to say. Uh, you mentioned it, 
Danny Wood's distribution was really good, wasn't it? Um, oh, different green. Wasn't it? I thought he was fantastic and his time wasting was top notch. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> he was like the hero of the pantomime, as someone on Twitter called it, um, in that regard, like jump lying on the ball. But his kicking was fantastic. Really good. There was a couple of balls out to Connor Roberts that were just. I mean, it's not as if like he's lining them up as well. He's kind of looking what the options are gone over to Connor, boom. And it's just like lands perfectly. Direction and weighting, absolutely brilliant. And um, I, I remember I remember we did the, the episode with Dan Evans about his article in Planet about the Wales Way being an international travelling statelet. Uh, really good article. And um, not a bad episode, if I say so myself. And he he was saying how, oh, Ward should be number one. Ward should be number one because he's got amazing feet. And I'm thinking, and, and I, in the warm-up, and I'm thinking, I've never noticed. And since then, I've always kind of looked, and he has got brilliant feet. But that game on the weekend, he was he was just pinging balls all over the place. You just know he'd rock up on a on a, on a Thursday night down the goal centre for five aside, and even as a goalkeeper, he'd like tear you a new one, wouldn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. You can imagine five aside, he'd be like central midfield, wouldn't he? Sort of doing everything. Uh, you can probably one of those who fancies himself as an out, outfield player. I don't know how far he got as an outfield player before becoming a goal goalkeeper. It's funny as well because he's obviously been dropped by Leicester for that reason and they think he's absolute shite with his feet I, th- I think he's just in the middle somewhere he's not the kind of modern sweeper keeper and he's, he's I think he's a decent passer of the ball as you guys are saying but um, yeah the opinion among Leicester fans is he cannot pass a ball which is a huge exaggeration but it's why he's been frozen out that's strange that's strange well I hope he goes to Wrexham next season because we'll be looking for <laughs> looking for <laughs> another keeper when we're in League One and he's a Wrexham fan that'd be brilliant um but that was, he was like leading the kind of pantomime, but I thought we saw it out brilliantly. And I tweeted this and it got some traction. There was just like the kind of way we were wasting time, the, the sort of, you know, Harry Wilson going down with cramp. I don't know how you know bad it really was. And, you know, just sort of taking any opportunity to slow the game down. The Jordan James foul where you know that was the best option to take a yellow card for the team at that point. He weighed it up and he did it, and that sort of um, I don't know dark arts shit housery, whatever you want to call it. But game management is exactly what teams like Croatia usually do to us. I remember that game back in two thousand nineteen. They were doing that, all that kind of stuff, and I was absolutely delighted to see us giving them a taste of their own medicine. I thought we managed that last. 15 minutes after they scored so well and it was you know proper game management it was really um which is a big part of the game yeah these days at the top level um that was <laughs> the best i've ever seen as sort of manage a game like that yeah 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 i think that's the final i think that's the best sort of point to to end things on to be honest so yeah um appreciate your time it's getting Absolutely. a little late it's, it's on a friday um we will uh, we, we've 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 been approached by I won't say anything because it's not over the, got it over the line yet. But I know you got quite excited Leon, when I mentioned someone's been someone's got in touch about saying they've been interested in talking about their Wales career. And there weren't a huge number of caps, but they were caps in a fairly iconic period, fairly iconic kit as well actually. Um, and you got quite excited, so I'm hoping to get that over the line. And might that might be some sort of I don't know sort of Christmas special. I don't know. I won't say any more about that. Apologies for, for not having too many more out recently, but was a bit tied up with this uh, Goal Val Gore, which was um, amazing, exhausting, 
Um, it's slightly surreal to have a, a World Cup Golden Boot winner in, in a working men's club in Canton. So we're hoping to get, I don't know, Jürgen Klinsmann in the turf or, I don't know. Oleg Selenko? It's Oleg Selenko, yeah, Oleg Selenko in the horse and jockey in Wrexham. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so please tweet us. Where, where, where do you want your Golden Boot winners? Which, which pubs and working men's clubs in Wales do you want your, your Golden Boot winners? And we'll do our best to, to make it happen. Uh, Gary Lineker in, where would Gary Lineker be? Seven Star. Five Seven. God, that's, sorry, I've been very offensive there. I do apologize. Seven Stars was the name of the Chinese restaurant I used to live next to. My mistake. Seven Stars was the was its was, was its pre I would say its original name. It was a previous name. I mean, it's wife's from Cardiff, isn't she? So Carolinica. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think they're divorced. Oh, are they? Oh, okay. His ex-wife is from Cardiff. So I don't. Know, maybe the master gunner in Cabalva then. Um, Gary, Gary, I'm and the gunner. There jogging we go. on the spot in the in into kind of ward off this wee. So I don't suppose I could. Go on, I'll let you carry on. There we go. I appreciate your time, gents. It's still all in our hands. Yeah, we we live to fight another day. We go again. We go again. (laughs) I'm going to play out um, Survivor Eye the Tiger, just for you. Yes. (laughs) Good choice. There we go. Exceptional choice. Yeah, Bert Young died, didn't he, the other day? Oh, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. Um, played the, the, the brother, uh, yeah. brother-in-law, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Dedicated to Bert Young. <laughs> no relation to Eric. As far as I'm aware. Jordan James. He's got the, got the eye of a tiger. He's sort of like a focus. With John James, it's like, I got this feeling like, yeah, I belong here. Not in an arrogant way, but just like, he's got a hell of a future ahead of him. Mm.